Welcome to the Deer Society Podcast. Here's your host, Brian Lemke. What's up, guys? Welcome to the very first episode of the brand new Deer Society Podcast. We're going to be talking lots about everything deer hunting, the industry, and hopefully bringing you tons of education and tips and tactics that you can put in your arsenal and, and go out and use in the whitetail woods and hopefully put the odds in your favor this fall. Got some pretty exciting stuff lined up, some really cool guests, um, some of the best whitetail hunters out there, and going to be doing some cool things here in the studio too, uh, some some live hunt breakdowns, different things, and, uh, and hoping to keep you entertained and, and bring you as much education as possible. Uh, kicking things off, first episode, we have the one and only... Mike Ducart, founder of Illusion Hunting Systems in the Deer Society, and his two sons, JJ and Chris. How you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, doing absolutely wonderful. Doing good, Brian. I think uh, it would only be natural. Those of you who are familiar with the Deer Society uh, are familiar with, with the Mike Ducart. Welcome to the Deer Society. So, Mike, uh, can you kick us off with a welcome to the Deer Society podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to the Deer Society just gives you chills. <laughs> you know, I was just reading uh, Bradley Cooper in that new movie, uh, A Star is Born. He worked with a voice coach for over a year to get his voice the right way for that movie. I think, uh, I don't know how long you worked on that voice, but it's, it's pretty <laughs> darn good. So, uh, well, hey, let's kick things off. Uh, I want to know a little bit about how this whole thing started for you guys. How did you start Illusion and, and how did this business grow to, to where it is now? You know, that's a, it's a great question, but it's an also a long answer, but I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Um, Illusion actually started as, you know, just an idea, a concept uh, way back in the day before Chris and JJ were born. And, you know, I, I, me, like everyone else, I just worked a regular job at the Mayo Clinic and had been there for like 17 years. And I just love the outdoors. And... I came up with the idea and concept about, you know, it started out with goose hunting, actually. And um, I'm trying to call the geese in back in the day, and I'm kind of dating myself. They just had these basic kind of little instruments, uh, musical instruments that you could buy in the store that sounded like geese. And that's really all it was. It just sounded like a goose. And so you'd go in and you'd pick out the one that you thought sounded like the goose the most. And it was just a simple, you know, something goofy looking sounds or goofy sounding um, tones and, and different things. And what I realized by by using those tools was that they really weren't effective in in manipulating the animal. And fast forward, years go on, I end up becoming a waterfall outfitter. And my quest was to get the geese as close as I could to the uh, clients because then they'd have a better chance of shooting. And to be honest with you, they fill out. I get to go home. <laughs> so I would study the geese. I studied their behavior. I studied their sounds and their tones. And I literally would took one of these more um, advanced calls that were in the store and manipulated every single piece of that. So I got the exact tones from the geese, the live geese. So I got the exact volumes of the live geese. And then I shared what I learned over the years of the information on how they communicate and the different things that they'll do, you know, from verbal, nonverbal to, you know, basically a boisterous thing. And it got to a point where, you know, learning from other people and learning from the geese themselves that I created my very first communication system. And so that was my thing. Uh, there was nothing in the stores that, you know, would teach people something like that. Nothing in the stores that were effective. And, and really, that's how Illusion was born. And what year was that? Like early 90s? Yeah, of? that was in the early 90s. Um, and, you know, our first thought was, oh, you know, calling competitions were, you know, pretty popular back in the day. Oh, we should, you know, get into calling contests and get notoriety and whatnot. And quickly realize that, you know, that's not the answer what people are looking for. They're not looking for notoriety so much. I mean, it's it's cool to be cool. It's cool to have the cool stuff. You know, there's definitely a demand for that. But what people really want 
they wanted information and, and that, that that's what it you know what it, the essence of, of what we created there awesome so tell me about that process a little bit i mean how long did it take you to really perfect those sounds you know once you heard them you know how long did it take you to to replicate something that that actually sounded like like a goose uh well it it's a little more complicated than just that it really didn't take that long to replicate the sound the the hard part was to create the instrument that would make the sound and so as you go through the process of creating a call we're talking about you know three and four thousandths um, of thickness in certain situations whether it's a tone board or a reed or whatever it is now, by the way, three thousandths is about the thickness of a human hair would make all the difference in the world, whether you could get a specific sound or not. And so once you learn how to manipulate the instrument and then you played around with the sound, you know, the sound was the easy part because you already kind of knew how to, how to make the, you know, call work. So you could just, Oh yeah, I'll do this. Oh, Hey, I got the sound, you know, and then you would turn that into an actual piece of the language. Interesting. So transitioning from goose calling into whitetails, what, what made you uh, make the switch and, and decide that you wanted to get into whitetails versus waterfowl? You know, I, it was business decision. It really was. I mean, I was extremely passionate about waterfowl, um, very passionate about Canada geese, obviously, because, you know, that was my first product. But I realized that if I wanted to take this dream, if you will, of becoming an actual company, um, I needed to be more diverse and I needed to get into more pieces of the market. So now I'm kind of transitioning from creating these different waterfall systems. And I had like five or six of them and getting into other species of animal that would increase my exposure to the market, to the hunting market. And so it really totally was a, a business decision. Now, I love deer hunting, don't get me wrong, but waterfall just, you know, consumes you. So you, I didn't get to deer hunt much. Um, it didn't have any impact on turkey. So I put a lot of, you know, um, time and effort into creating turkey systems as well. And basically, you know, getting into the deer thing, it's the biggest market. And that was really the reason that I did it. And in designing uh, deer calls now, did you use the same method, uh, you know, when, when inventing the extinguisher in the black rack, um, really going out and learning? How did those develop um, and, and starting to develop those sounds for, for those? Was it like the waterfowl uh, where you went out and studied the animal or how did those kind of to, to start to be invented? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Every single communication system was based off of the same, I mean, why fix something that's not broke, right? So I did the exact same process. And the thing about a deer call, um, this is actually about the time that I got this, I'm going to kind of switch gears here a little bit. I had to have a reason to create something um, that was better than, than what was out there. And how that happened was it was about the time now the boys are born, right? They're getting a little bit older. I'm trying to teach them how to hunt. And we went out and we hunted because waterfall season got over. And now we would go do a little deer hunting. So we were hunting post rut. Well, I'm like, okay, let's get these calls, right? We'll figure out how to call in deer. So we'd go out there and, you know, as soon as you get out, you see that the moisture is coming out of your breath. That's that condensation. And you're just loading up this big, long, floppy reed with moisture and if it's below 32 degrees, it just locks right up on you. And so I'm hunting with the boys and, you know, we're, we're running into issues where our calls are freezing up. I think JJ uh, may have had a experience that he told me about maybe him and a friend went hunting. I'm trying to, trying to recall it, but I also had experiences where I saw a deer and I'm like, okay, I want to call it in like a goose. And the call was locked up. So that's really what initiated, you know, the idea behind the deer call. In fact, I was sleeping 
and dreamt about how I could cure that problem. Because I mean, I knew so much about, you know, the mechanics of a call. Um, I literally, I, I woke up from my dream. I'm like, I got to wake up. And I woke up and I wrote it down and then I went back to bed. And it was all about getting that read to not freeze up on you. That was the concept. So that's where the mechanical um, engineering started was in a dream. And then it, I just started working from there and I realized, oh my goodness, I can manipulate sound. And then it was game on. So Awesome. So at what point did, did JJ and Chris start getting into involved in the business aspect of it? Um, I, the, the, one of the coolest things that I see about Illusion and the Deer Society now is that you guys really have a family run operation. I mean, you guys are, are here behind the scenes day in and day out and, uh, and you do it as a family, which is, which is pretty awesome. So tell me a little bit, uh, and maybe JJ or Chris, one of you guys can start and tell me how, how you got involved in this in the first place. Well, I can start pretty much all the way back to the waterfall days. I mean, summertime would come around and we want to be out playing, riding our bikes with our friends and, <laughs> Our dad's dragging us into the garage at our old house, and we're putting little copper sleeves and wooden goose calls, and we've got little plumber's tools and reaming sharp edges with off the you know, little copper sleeves and sore thumbs after, you know, a day's worth of work because, you know, there was a lot of manual, there's a lot more manual labor and a lot more going into, like, a goose call than there is to a deer call. Um, so that's really how it kind of began, began. But then we all... We were growing up. We went through school. I did a little bit of college. JJ did college. Um, as JJ was finishing up college, I actually uh, transitioned my life over into the Marines for a bit. And uh, JJ and my dad had something going on when I uh, got back out. And they kind of had the very beginnings of kind of the Deer Society, I would say. The very beginnings of that kind of established when I came back into things. And then I just was able to plug in right away into more of the operations and manufacturing side of things. So I kind of plugged into that piece and I just kept everything they got going and created. I just kept it flowing and moving and kept it expanding from there. So I'm kind of more the back end guy. Good deal. Yeah. And as far as like the deer hunting side of things goes, um, you know, we've always been involved with the waterfall, with the guide services, the calls, things like that. And then we got into Turkey and, and my passion is always deer. So when I got out of college, I went to school for management, business management, and then marketing. And uh, I really just took to all the video production side of things and the graphics and design. And that's kind of when, you know, the deer hunting, the products and the marketing kind of took off from there. Um, instructional videos, who really went after that. Uh, just more education on calling deer, uh, communication, vocalizations, just tried to expand that side of things, got into the rattling side. And just uh, the more education we could put out there for deer is kind of what we tried to do. And that's kind of where Deer Society took off and, and started too. So, Yeah, that's something, you know, it, it's interesting to see how the industry is now and how it's changed and how people get into the industry. And that's something that I want to talk about here in a minute. But uh, going back to uh, how the Deer Society was born, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, starting to create videos and, and using the things that you kind of learned in school to to apply marketing techniques to uh, the illusion system. So, Mike, is that is that kind of how the Deer Society was born it is really a platform for for illusion? It, that's exactly um, what happened. And I'm going to go back to the infancy of it. Um, like Chris said, he was over, uh, well, Chris, by the way, was a, a Marine. I was a Marine as well. But Chris is over serving in Iraq about the same time that JJ is graduating from college. Now, during this time, I'm trying to grow a business. And I, you know, we've gone all in. You know, we've developed all these products, bought all this tooling. And if you don't understand what it's like to do a startup business, you put everything on the line, all your personal assets, everything. And so we're starting to get some traction and then boom, the economy hits. And it was the biggest recession in, in modern history. And really we're left for dead. I mean, we're going to lose it all. We're going to lose it all. I got my son over in Iraq. I got JJ just out of college. There's no jobs. 
where, you know, there's no economy. All the stores are cutting back. I mean, we were a fringe product. We were left for dead. And so like a typical Marine, you know, you're just going to, it inspires you. And all you think about is how to solve the problem. Now, don't get me wrong. I pouted for about a week or so, you know, feeling sorry for myself because I thought we were going to lose everything, literally the home, the whole works. And then my son gets out of college and we started talking. I'm like, well, JJ, I knew he loved the hunting piece of it. And there's really nothing I could do for him because of the, the situation of the business. And by the way, I'm working full time at this time at a different job. And we're doing this stuff out of our basement. Okay. And as we build this up, JJ gets out of college. Chris is over in Iraq. And I go, JJ, there's nothing I can do. I know you love this, uh, you know, business. Said the only thing I could do is give you product, and you get on that internet thing you kids do. <laughs> and I laugh about that a little bit because it was pretty much in its infancy. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay you with product. You go sell it, and whatever you sell online, that's how you're going to make your salary. So you know, it's basically a performance-based deal between us. So. I didn't really know exactly what he wanted to do. I've never pushed these guys into anything. Um, even when we were doing waterfall and I was competing in the different competitions and everything, everybody was like, oh, get your kids in, get your kids in. And I never pushed them, never. Um, if they wanted to get into a contest, I'd let them do it. If they wanted to go hunting, I'd let them do it. But I never pushed them because I, can, I, I saw how that, the sport is supposed to be fun. It's not a competition sport. So if you embrace it and if you love it, that's what it's really about. And as soon as you create a business and you add the stress and the economics and all the different things to it, it completely changes, you know, how you perceive the sport itself. So I kind of let JJ find his way. And I right away, I figured out, oh, this, he loves editing video, right? So JJ now became the video guy. And anyway, I'll, I'll kind of go a little off topic here. The way we solved that problem is we sat there and we were like, we know we got the best product out there. We know it. We know it. We know it works. We're, you know, we know this is the thing. You know what? Let's go right to the consumer and let's let them know about it because nobody knew about us. And that's where the video comes in. We sat down and did an infomercial off a laptop watching TV in the basement and we put it on a regional um, network and all of a sudden everybody knew about this new deer calling system and boom, before you knew it, we couldn't even keep up with the orders. So that's kind of where JJ started kicking in and having a huge impact in the business. And then we realized once we created this product that people wanted more and more and more information once they got the product. So as we were out there filming together and doing this while Chris is gone, we just keep building this content. And like, oh, did you see what that deer did and all that? I mean, one time we recorded a deer spitting four feet. Really? <laughs> four feet. Four feet, yeah. It, what happens is, and we could break that story down someday, but what they do is they have like the saliva builds up and they'll start dripping when they get all upset and angry. Mm. You know, and you got to be up close to deer, you know, to see this kind of behavior right. and you got to make sure that they have no idea you're there. But anyway, this deer was just worked up and we had called in a bunch of deer and they were all getting all revved up. And this guy was the new king of the castle, if you will. And he was doing this drooling thing. And all of a sudden he just sees his, do we have a decoy yeah, out? We had a decoy out. That's what it was. So he sees his decoy and he starts doing all this behavior. And all of a sudden he looks over and he just kind of, reaches his neck out and opens his mouth like he's going to grunt or something at the thing. And all of a sudden, this stream of saliva comes shooting out about four feet. <laughs> it was like, did you see that? So, you know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, we were doing. We're just gathering all this information, all this content, and we started to share it online because that started to become a, a platform. Mm -hmm. that, that's really the beginning of it all. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I look at it. I grew up as a kid uh, watching uh, hunting videos and watching Jackie Bushman and watching Real Tree Monster Bucks and dreaming of, of being in the industry and watching these DVDs and the evolution of hunting television. Um, 
and that being a dream of mine and now so much of that content is is online and and digital uh jj where did you um you know kind of learn you know some of the things about video editing and and how to deliver these things online and and start to build this platform the deer society yeah so <clears throat> from the the video standpoint we we had a close friend kurt rotter we worked with back in the day he's the one that produced all the vhs tapes for the goose calls duck calls turkey calls he kind of took me under his wing and um just showed me the basics for editing and framing and audio and things like that and then when i got out of college i had i took some courses on you know just the illustrators and the photoshops and the you know that kind of transitions into learning final cut and all the different applications and then uh you know we bought our first camera that canon xha1 and just you know just learning as you go is kind of how it all how it all went um i I watched a lot of videos growing up too like you talked about the real tree monster bucks on saturday sunday morning wake up and you know just look at all those ideas see what's out there um you know what shows did i like obviously the top shows out on the sportsman channel outdoor channel you know what did i like about those shows what what do i want to change and then just kind of work it into different videos that i eventually produce so yeah, and by the way, he finally, he did get on the real tree monster buck, I believe, didn't you, with one of your yeah, hunts? Yeah, in 2017, got on there, yep, last year. That's awesome, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only, and I had a, my first and only autograph ever was a guy that saw the real tree monster bucks DVD and wanted my autograph, so, so there you go. <laughs> well, that, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. You, you have a, a little girl coming here soon. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a that. couple months, so I'm going to get some work done before that happens. Yeah, there you go. But you'll, you'll always be able to show her that real tree monster bucks video and say, yep. there you go, daddy made it. <laughs> that's awesome yeah by the way i've never made the real tree monster bucks and chris and i are back there holding the fort down while jj's out hunting and filming i think i think interesting thing too is like you know you watch those shows growing up and you, you see the kansas hunts and the iowa hunts and all these big bucks and you think you know how can i do that how, you know how can i shoot these big bucks and 15 years of hunting you've never shot i never shot anything big and then you try to just figure it out by learning through other people because a lot of times what you see on there is not really a do-it-yourself type hunt, you know, some of those outfitted hunts or guided hunts. So I think through the Deer Society and through educating people, that's kind of why why we or I took that outlet when we made videos. How can we do that? We learned from Rod White, Andy, or all these guys and take that education part, try to transfer that into the videos and help people actually achieve that instead of just watching videos that are, you know, big bucks walking in shoot you don't learn anything so you know obviously the the dream is you know to kill all these big bucks but actually learning how to do it, it's a whole different ball game and i think that's where deer society kind of comes into play too so yeah you know and i want to add something to that because that's really a part of developing the product is once once we kind of did our thing and got our got got it dialed in the where i thought it was right then it was important for me to actually share what I learned uh, with some of the best hunters I could find. So that's when we went out and we would seek out these people. JJ happened to see Rod White walking through the parking lot at a, at a show one time. He says, hey, Dad, that's Rod White. And I go, well, who's Rod White? He goes, well, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He goes, he's one of the best deer hunters out there. I said, well, let's go say hi to him. And so that's how we met him. But I would gave, I gave away calls to guys like Miles Keller, um, Rod White, uh, Gabe Schaffner, we got Andy and Colton, and I could go on and on. I know I'm missing names here, but I just wanted honest feedback. And that's how you figure out if you got the right product or not. Every single one of these people that I mentioned shot a 200-inch deer after they got this product, other than I got miles never really kind of kicked in. Um, but like uh, Colton, he shot a 200-incher. Uh, using our products. Uh, Rod shot a 200-incher. Gabe Schaffner, the very first guy that I I started talking with, um, he shot his first 200-incher. And that man, um, you know, he's passed away now, but that man had shot, he was old school, and he'd shot a lot of big deer. So that's a big part of the development is, you know, making sure that that your product's working at the highest possible level. 
Yeah, that's and, and that's awesome. And, and there's definitely been a lot of validity through some of these these great deer hunters. I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of them. Adam Hayes is another one. Right. Um, one of the things that I believe you guys do very well through the Deer Society is providing proof that that this stuff works. There's a lot of video out there uh, on the networks and, and, and online that that shows, you know, hunters shooting big deer. Um, but I think one of the things that you guys do very well is, is show it. No, there's no hidden, hidden secrets or, or, uh, things behind the scenes. I mean, it's real true and, and, and the products do really work. So I commend you on that. That's, that's something that I enjoy watching, watching your guys' videos. Um, Chris, I want to touch on, uh, some of the operational things that happen behind the scenes. Um, so you're kind of in charge of those things here at the office. Um, tell me about kind of your, your daily duties and, and, you know, what it takes to, to make all these things behind the scenes really happen. Yeah. Being in the industry, I know it's uh, definitely a driving force for a lot of people that are very passionate about hunting and stuff like that. Everybody always kind of dreams or wants to be in the industry. And I think there's so much out there to be done in the industry. That's, not what you see on TV, you know, not just a finished product, not just being out in the field hunting and on camera. Um, so, you know, my way into the industry and it's kind of weird cause I don't, f- doesn't feel like I'm like totally in the street in the industry, but I pretty much am. I, I feel when I'm at the trade shows or we're doing things like this or we're out filming, but, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my daily job is kind of like any other person that works in a manufacturing company in any industry really is, uh, You know, I come in, I have employees I have to provide for, make sure they have, you know, everything they need to complete their tasks and do their job for us. I have to coordinate uh, production. I have to coordinate supplies coming in, uh, inventory going out, Um, you know, and then you get to deal with a lot of retailers. I mean, do a lot with, uh, you know, mid chains, big chains. So then you're actually talking to higher up business people. So there's just a whole lot of different levels of things that go on you know, working behind the scenes uh, and then you get random stuff. You know, I have to coordinate trade shows, you know, I'm working with Brian. He works with us, uh, not you, Brian, but a different Brian. And uh, yeah. he works with us and he uh, does some uh, help with JJ and he does a lot of woodworking. So, you know, I spend some time doing woodworking, building displays for uh, shows, uh, just building random things. We just built this new building here and we just moved in back in November and, you know, helping build and stain trim and doors. So kind of a jack of all trades, really behind the scenes, just making sure everything operates on every aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the industry that way and mention that there's so many different avenues that you can take to get into the industry. You know, uh, I think it's such a, uh, the hunting industry is so coveted, you know, and, and everybody wants to be a part of that, but what really does that mean? Uh, Mike, are you part of the hunting industry? JJ, are you part of the hunting industry? I asked myself, well, it was always my dream to be in the hunting industry. And, and I asked myself today, am I in the industry? What does that mean? I think that's changed for me. Um, I think there's a lot of great things, but I, I, I don't think it's all sunshine and roses either. Um, you know, uh, JJ, what do you, did you always want to be in the hunting industry? Do you, do you see yourself as, as part I of it? I always wanted to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's what a lot of people think is, being in the industry means you get to hunt and make a living and that's what you do for your job. But that's pretty much zero, you know, 0.001% of people that are in the industry get that role. So like Chris said, there's just so many things you can do from, and maybe you're a sales rep, maybe you're head of production, maybe you're a photographer, videographer. We got Adam standing behind the camera right now. He's in the industry and he's just pushing buttons back there. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of things you can do in the industry and not a lot of it's shooting deer and getting paid for that. So it's, it's different. Yeah. Absolutely. Mike, uh, now, now that, that, you know, you kind of got these guys involved and, and work together. Tell me about that. I, I mean, that's got to be something that, that you enjoy getting to, to work so closely with, with your boys. And what, what do you think that future looks like and how that's going to transition with the business? You know, just that transition of alone um, of having my boys come into the business is 
it's just, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, we're still, I'm still going through it. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. You know, where do I sit? Where do I stand? I think back about how I've done everything, you know, to position it. And when you've done a little bit of everything and you've taught people how to support you and surrounded yourself with people that can support your vision and you've kind of been the driving force behind that vision, it's, it's, it's a real interesting transition to just, you know, bring other people in that now you want to kind of take over for you. And th- th- I'm kind of framing it like that because right now I'm in a position where you know, JJ talked about it. You know, it's not all hunting. You know, two years ago, I did not get out in the stand one single day. That's how busy I was. That's, that's what was happening with this business. You know, it just goes in different levels. We talked about being in the basement. Seven years ago, we were working out of our basement, thinking we were going to lose our home. And now we've transitioned into our third move and built our own facility and really only built half of that. We got, you know, phase two is to build the other half. And to go through something like that is, it's, it's just it's just a crazy, crazy thing happening in, in my life, in our lives as a family. So now I'm trying to figure out how to not be that guy anymore because I have two, um, I'm going to call them young men because they're younger than me, but they're grown adult men that are extremely capable. And both of them have outperformed anything I've ever done and achieved in my life. Chris, you know, the guy, the guy's a combat marine, served over in Iraq. I mean, there's stories there about things that happened. He was way better marine than I ever was. I never did anything even close to that. Then you got JJ. You know, he's been through college. He's he shot more big deer in the last four years. He shot his target buck um, than I have almost in my whole life. And so when I say capable, I mean I'm talking extremely capable. So as I kind of come down, you know, getting into that, I'll be turning 60 here this, this summer. And, and I'm kind of coming down from that high of, of building this, this company and kind of almost trying to hand over the reins. That's exactly what's going on right now. Um, making that transition is very challenging. And I don't want to say very difficult because everybody is so capable, but the hard part is the transition. That's what's so challenging when you're used to understanding and seeing big picture and people are working underneath you, you know, you have to kind of hand over that and say, Hey, you need to be the big picture guy. Now you need to start inventing things. You need to start having these visions and these goals and figuring out how to achieve them and not worried about, Oh, I got to get five things edited. Oh, I got to get hundred thousand deer calls made up and, 90 days, how am I going to do that? I'm backward, you know. Those are the things that those guys are dealing with now, and now I need to hand over even more, you know. It's just, it's very interesting transition, and it wasn't very long ago. It was the summer when we, we all came out here to look at the building, and it was framed out, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this massive steel frame. To me, it was a big deal. And we had purchased this land, and my boys are standing next to me, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, what in the heck did we do? You know, what did we do? Look what's going on. And then when the building was finished and we had to move in during peak season and I'm standing there and everybody's gone and it's just me and my wife and I'm looking around and I'm like, what did we do? Look at this facility. I just, it's ours. We did it, you know? And so I have this fulfillment. I'll be honest with you. And now I really want to transition to letting these guys, you know, take this thing to a level that I wasn't able to take it to. That's awesome. You know, I look at it from the outside, whether, whether it's hunting or, or it doesn't really matter what industry it is, is it's almost like the American dream, you know, and that, that may sound cliche, but, but that's really truly what illusion, what the deer society has become, because, you know, you went from being in your basement, having nothing, almost losing your house, basement run business to this now operation that 
is so large and brings so much education and value to to hunters it's it's a pretty pretty amazing story and you can tell your passion about it and and your passion about it continuing within the family so i think that's that's pretty awesome you know jj what how do you see the business you know changing uh, how do you see the videos changing how do you see yeah. you know what's your take yeah so i mean in this process of growing um we do have to bring in some some help so uh part of that transition has been obviously on the video side of things uh you and adam with almond eye productions um stepping up the game there with our, our video production and um you know we have some graphic help with graphic um design for the extinguisher the black rack things like that we have um, teams that help out with web marketing um stuff like that so just being in you know it's hard for me too because i'm kind of a control freak on certain issues but you know, when it comes to the production quality or, um, you know, just video quality or graphics or whatnot, I, I like to control how things are, or at least see someone do something better than we can. And, and that's where we, you know, we're working with you guys, working with other really high end, um, companies to, to bring us to that next level as well. So it's different. Yeah. But. What, what do you think looking at the industry, what do you think would be one piece of advice that you would give somebody uh, that wanted to to be in the industry? Maybe he's watching this podcast or, you know, watching Mike Waddell on TV and, and you know, they that's what they want to do. Man, um, it could be in a lot of different fashions, but do you have any piece of advice on what, what you might say to them? Or, or I think probably just find what your passion is and what your strength is and just go down that road. Um, you know, I'll just talk about my case. You know, whitetails was definitely my big passion. Um, not that I didn't love turkey hunting, goose hunting, duck hunting, that that type of thing. But, you know, I really loved the whitetail side of things. Uh, just took that path, and then I was really creative with the, the graphics and the visuals and really saw that big picture uh, in that standpoint. And that's where I put all my effort on the illusion side of things, transitioning into the deer society side of things. And I think, you know, as long as that's your passion is, you're going to work harder doing that, whatever that task is, and you're just going to drive drive yourself into a good position if you work hard, put in the time, and uh, just meet the right people, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I think I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I look at it, especially from the, the production standpoint, um, having uh, Adam and I having our own production company, Omni Productions, and there's so many content creators out there now, and everybody's looking to to have a spot filming for somebody or, or just filming on their own and putting it on YouTube and, you know, what should they do differently and how can they be a part of something? It's interesting because we're actually looking to hire uh, one or two new employees right now through Almondi. And one of the things that I'm looking for is not somebody that, that has watched hunting or, or has been molded by what they see, but instead somebody that, has a, a passion, understands their style, um, and and that's kind of their goal is to just improve upon that. You know, uh, I would say a piece of advice would be don't don't just see something and try to try to copy that or fit in somewhere that you don't necessarily belong. You know, find your passion. You know, your passion was whitetails in the video and the marketing aspect of it. Find your passion. Find your style. And make that the best way that it can, because you know what, you, you really, everybody has the opportunity, regardless of the industry, to change it, you know, for the better, especially the hunting industry, you know, it's always changing and it's changing so quickly nowadays, you know, that the old school stuff is old school. You know, we're developing new things here within the Deer Society and we got some great things coming this year in 2019, but develop your own passion, develop your own style. And I think that's the really the best thing that, that you can do for yourself. Mike, do you have any have any words of wisdom on on the industry, or or you know, if somebody was like you that uh, had an idea and wanted to go for it, what would you tell them? Uh, that's such a great question. Um, it kind of boils down to that American dream and the American spirit and the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, if you have that passion, like JJ said. Um, that's definitely the first thing you, you have to have the passion. Okay. And if you create 
whether it's a product or an idea or whatever it is, um, you got to be taking risk. You know what I mean? In my case, I took that. That's what being an entrepreneur is. And every single successful business person, every single American dream you hear about from Microsoft to anything all started in their basement or their garage or their ideas. And it was a concept they took massive risks. A lot of people did go bankrupt and then they'd rebound from it because they were problem solvers. They were idea guys and they were willing to take that risk and they just, they just went after it. And if you don't have that as a starting point and if you don't have the tolerance for risk and not everybody should be doing this, by the way, my wife could never do this. She does not like risk. Okay. But that's nothing wrong with that. If it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be able to do this either because she supported financially during these transitions was something when we're out there taking risk and we didn't have the revenues, she was there supporting it. So, um, but it's just not her thing and it's not everybody's thing. You know, I'm trying to give advice, but really it's, it's boils down to don't make it about you make it about a passion and be the best problem solver you can possibly be, be able and be tolerant of risk. And business is nothing more than not if you run into problems, but how do you get over that wall, that barrier? How do you cross that stream or river that you can't get across? It's all about problem solving because every single day you will run in and encounter a problem. And Chris could really talk to that, you know, because that's what he's doing right now for this business. But you have to be able to do that and you have to be able to expect it. It doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Yeah, Chris, what are some of the the difficulties that, that you deal with or, or have dealt with here recently? Um, you know, I, I know that there was some things going on with, with Amazon and, and some counterfeit uh, extinguishers that happened just not here too long ago. Yeah, that's definitely one issue that came up, you know, and like I said, you never actually really know what the problem is going to be because it could be anything. Like you said, uh, just out of the blue, you know, we had counterfeit calls all of a sudden pop up on Amazon, you know, customers complaining, uh, want to return calls and they come in and I mean, copied to a T. I mean, they took the card, they scanned it in a scanner, they scanned the front end of the DVD, they replicated the sticker and i mean just because me and my employees i mean every single actual extinguisher that comes through here i mean goes through our hands all these calls are handmade and hand packaged hand assembled and hand packaged and you know there's subtleties and like you know the hinge on the clam and random things like that you know point out to us hey this isn't even ours i mean so and then you know maybe the next day a supplier's back ordered and you know problems with a growing business i mean you know, calls and sales go up every year. So you plan for one thing and then it exceeds, you know, what you plan for and you're scrambling last minute. And meanwhile, it's the hunting season and you're really in the back of your mind, shoot, I wish I was going to go out hunting this <laughs> afternoon, but <laughs> looks like I'm working all day today and for the next three days in a row. And it's uh, October 31st and darn it, I should be in the stand, but you know, I'm fixing problems here at work. So don't worry, JJ's out there for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about some of the big things that the Deer Society has coming in 2019. And, and I think the first one, uh, I was talking to JJ earlier, and he said that he was actually going to take that role for you so you could go out and, and yeah. sit in his stand this fall. <laughs> JJ, what are some of the things that, that people can look forward to uh, to uh, watching this, this spring and summer and, and even in the fall? Yeah, well, first off, if they're just listening to this podcast, you can actually watch this podcast. So video <laughs> podcast is one thing. Um, we have a Habitat series called the Whitetails from Scratch. Where we're bringing a property that we actually just purchased this last year. Uh, it's the first time we ever purchased a property, S3. Uh, we're taking it through kind of the whole process of developing that land from start to finish. And hopefully the end result is 200-inch buck in five years, but we'll see. You can follow along with that one. Uh, really high-end production that you guys did a phenomenal job on. Um, we actually just released episode one with Andy Orr coming down a couple weeks ago, so you can watch that now on the Deer Society app or on YouTube. And um, what else do we got coming along? We have a bunch of hunt breakdowns from 2017 and 2018. Um, 2017, I was not able to produce as much video as 
I would have liked. So we have a bunch of hunts that were uh, in the can that we're now producing through Almond Eye and through you guys. Probably 20 or so hunts through that outlet. Um, and if you're familiar with our hunt breakdowns, um, these ones would be pretty special. And if you're not, you can watch all of our hunt breakdowns on the app as well. Uh, what else do we got coming? We got some archery tips and tactics coming along with Rod White. Um, he's an Olympic gold medalist we work with, so that'll be some phenomenal content. And um, what else do we have? You know. Basically, tons of new video content coming out, which is going to be pretty exciting. You know, we're, we've kicked off uh, the White Tails from Scratch series um, just this past week. And, uh, and that's really cool because we're bringing all the viewers along basically for the ride. I mean, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, we're literally building this property from scratch, or I should say you guys are. We're kind of capturing it. Um, but that, that's really cool because they'll be able to follow along throughout the whole year and, and live, and, and hopefully they can get lots of education there. We're going to be sharing lots of, of tips on what we're doing, you know, that you guys can hopefully use in your bag of, of tricks this fall. Um, so that's coming. We have some, some films that we're going to release this year, so um, some higher-end uh, cinematic films. Uh, to to kind of uh, show off some of the some of the cooler cooler uh, hunts that we do. Um, so that being said, all of those these different mini series, just highlighting different things because that's what the deer study is about, right? It is bringing as much education to the hunter. We want to we'll make you guys better hunters. In the in the first episode of White Tails from Scratch, Andy Orr said it perfectly. He said, you know, nobody wants to see me shoot big bucks. He said, I could shoot all the big bucks in the world. He said, but people want to shoot big bucks. And that's what the deer study is there for. We want to help you become a better hunter. Yeah, you know, you talk about that deer society. It's only three years old. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, 2015. We were just sitting in there having a meeting, you know, doing our problem solving, daily problem solving. And this weird idea popped into the head. And it's like, well instead of just posting all this stuff on YouTube and everything, why don't we create this society, you know? Oh yeah, the deer society. And then when, you know, the brains get going and this and that, and, and we started really thinking it out at a very high level. And you talked about the different videos and why JJ needed help. Look at all the videos that we've made since we started sharing information with people, even before it was considered deer society or at about the time we needed a platform it's hundreds and hundreds of videos from calling tips to rattling tips to hunt breakdowns to, I mean, just go on and on of the different things. And JJ edited every single one of them videos. And it got to a point where he just couldn't handle it no more. He got a whole year behind, like he said. And then out of the blue, these guys called us that used to do TV in the outdoor industry. And here you sit. <laughs> perfect timing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's perfect timing. And it, it, it's been awesome working with you guys so far. And we're really excited about the content that's coming out this year because it is a lot different than than anything we've done before. I, I was a, a field producer and, I, and Adam was producer and editor for, for seven or eight years before um, this year. And, and before we started uh, Almond Eye Productions, our production company, and, and did a lot of cool things, went a lot of cool places. But the ability to work with you guys and really produce uh, a, a real life, it's almost reality driven content. Um, it, it, it's really cool and, it, and, it, and it's really original, I guess. Yeah. And the deer site is basically built on calling, rattling, scent control, you know, with the phase systems, illusion products. Our big thing this year is just trying to get new outlets, new education, you know, platforms out there, whether it's habitat, whether it's shooting. I think podcasts is a huge one because you can go all different directions with it. And another thing we like to do is be different. So like this, if you're watching this podcast, obviously you can see this awesome studio setup that we'll give a shout out to Brian Clary. He built this, this whole studio setup, but, but the, you know, the thought behind like a TV behind us here. So if you're watching us on the video, we can do like hunt breakdowns. Uh, we can do some map flyovers on this TV and just kind of bring, you know, kind of a secondary hunt breakdown to you guys too. And just be different, um, kind of expand our education platforms and just go a bunch of different directions. So that's kind of, I guess, be different. That's what we want to, that's what we want to be. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, about the illusions newest line phase. 
I think Mike can handle that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, FaZe is, like JJ said, everything's always been about, you know, calling and, and, and different things like that. And because there's unlimited ways to communicate and have conversations just like us you know as humans it's the same thing with deer so i mean we'll continue to do that and we're going to continue to learn more we're going to continue to share more but the reason we were able to get up close and personal to deer is because they didn't know we were there okay we were creating the illusion if you will that's my plug um so but you know scent control is everything and you know most deer hunters understand how important that is i mean we've all and it, it, it will always continue to happen that you'll make a mistake with your scent control a deer will get downwind and all of a sudden whoosh, you see that reaction and boom they're gone you're like oh no um so we knew how important that was so that was the next thing it, it's taken years to design this conceptual product which is completely different than anything out there right now, okay? Our technology and the way we're approaching scent control is completely different than it's ever been done before. What I mean by that is we are targeting the human element, okay? A deer's nose and their, their smelling is so advanced, and it's so much more advanced than ours. They break down specific odor, specific smells. So if you think that you're going to go and just eliminate all odor when you go out into a, a, you know your environment, that's literally impossible. Um, so what turns that deer inside out? He wasn't turned inside out when he walked by that guy's shed or the farm tractor or whatever. There's sensor all, out there all over that are foreign, okay? But when, as soon as he got downwind of that human, turned him inside out. They understand that human odor molecule, and they understand it as extreme danger. So that's what we went after. And the technology behind this phase, what it does is it, is it actually encapsulates all the different types of molecules that we emit as a human. And we can get into a lot more detail on that at, you know, and you'll see that in, in our upcoming content. But basically what we're doing is we're surrounding those Malador style molecules and we're encapsulating with a technology so that when it goes into the nose and the olfactory tries to identify it, it can't identify it. It doesn't know it exists. It doesn't know it's there. Okay. So if you remove that human element and if you follow that system, it's a system that you have to do to, in order to get, you know, encapsulate almost as many, if not all of those molecules as possible, then you're going to be a lot more effective in the field. And the deer, I mean, we got deer literally, the stories will blow your mind. The very first guy that ever bought this product was waiting at the door for me. He's a gentleman that I knew, and I told him, hey, I've been working on this, blah, blah, blah. Scent fanatic. He's waiting at the door at 3.30. I said, I'll have some bottled up by 3.30. Come in. He buys like three systems because him and his buddy are, um, you know, they're into it. He's got his own washer and stuff down in the basement. His wife can't use it. His own closets, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> anyway, he gets a hold of this stuff. He's going to test it out. I'm like, well, this would be a good testament. Calls me up that week and says, oh, Mike, he says, I think there's something to this. Well, I knew there was something to it because I'd already done the testing, right? And he goes... Me and my boy were going out to our stand and we're getting ready to cross the field. And well, there's a doe and a fawn out there. So we got locked down on the edge of the field. They fed their way up to within 15 yards of us directly downwind. We were on the ground. They had no idea we were there. They fed out. We ended up getting to our stand. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool testament, you know, on the ground, 15 yards downwind. Absolutely. So later that week, the next week, I think it was, he calls me again. He goes, Mike. You're just not even going to believe it. And I go, what? He goes, I was after this deer. It was my target deer, but he never did show up. But a really nice buck showed up the other night. And he says, and I shot him. It wasn't sure how good the hit was. So I waited till it got dark. I get down from my stand. I start tracking the blood. He says, I go down in this ravine and something just came over me. And I looked up on the skyline was this big buck that he'd been chasing. He's like, what the heck? And so the deer's looking down at him. So he shuts his little flashlight off. 
He said the deer circled down the ravine like a big smart deer would, starts walking up the deer trail right at him, downwind now. He said that thing got within 15 yards of him, standing toe to toe. He freaked out. He had to knock an arrow in the bow, wondering what in the world's going on. And then the deer kind of looked him over and like, nah, nothing. And it just kind of wandered back up on the ridge and, and walked up, stayed downwind of him though, because he knew he was there. And then he got confused. He says, well, maybe that's the deer I shot and he lost a lot of blood and he's confused and, you know, something's wrong. So he started trailing it. And, you know, anyway, it ended up, you know, not being the deer. But when I heard that, it was just like, you got to be kidding me. Nobody would ever believe that. You know, that's two incidents of, you know, doing really good body odor control care with this system where he had deer downwind directly and he's on the ground at 15 yards. Now, that's phase. I mean, that's just what the phase concept is about. I can't, you know, there's so much more to talk about it, but there's another incident that happened later that season. And that, I think, is a story that JJ might want to tell. Well, I want to hit on one other thing first. Um, so the phase system, you talked about how it permanently entraps odor molecules, um, but we work on the bacterial odor and then the skin cells is the thing that you forgot too. So like we moisturize the skin so the dander's not floating around and that's something that most other companies don't really focus on and that's something that we really have seen has, has worked really well for us. So I didn't believe in the technology right away. We, we've been testing it for probably five years or so. And you kept going out there. I swear these deer were downwind, Jay. These deer were downwind to me. And I thought, no, that's just the, you know, the thermals are rising. And, you know, you're, you're, there's no way the deer are downwind. By the way, not. you did that with the deer call too. But we got stories about that some other time. It takes a while for me to believe in something, I guess. But, you know, years of testing this stuff alongside, you know, other products. And then finally 2016 came when, when we started having really good results, uh, put the phase system to, to the full test. And that's when... Um, if anyone's seen the hunt, you can go watch the curly hunt where I shot a 182 inch Minnesota buck directly downwind from the ground, um, late season. So yeah, I'm a believer. And then I shot my buck the next year. I rattled him in and shot him in, uh, downwind at 20 yards too. So a couple years in a row and, uh, it's working, working pretty well. Well, I can tell you, I, I was to the location where you shot Curly, and I've seen the video, and I stood where you stood and stood where the deer stood, and that deer had every advantage over you uh, that he could, especially the wind. And it was blowing right at him. You can see it on the video. And, I mean, cliche or not, the proof was in the pudding there. That was unbelievable. I tried phase for the first time uh, this past fall, and one instance that really stands out to me was actually – uh, my wife and, and uh, a good friend of mine and, and almost like a second dad to me, Tom Inderbill once told me, he said, you know, when you're going out hunting, just because the wind's good for you doesn't mean it's good for the deer. And I thought about that a lot and tried to beat the wind several times, even though I shouldn't, and tried to beat the wind and, and could never do it, never had a lot of success doing it. There was a situation this fall where I had a, a pretty much a bad wind and all these deer were coming from the same same spot i knew they where they were coming from and had a pretty good buck coming in there and and my wife had never shot a buck with her bow and we had a newborn baby uh last year as well so she was busy taking care of him but wanted to get out and and hunt one day um so having that bad wind was a tough situation i said well what a perfect day for her to go out and sit because i didn't want to go sit there with a bad wind <laughs> <laughs> no but so so she went out and sat and, and i dropped her off and the wind was it was blowing right at where these deer were coming from and uh you know right before dark i i put my son barrett in the, in the truck and we went out there to get her and and she came out and figured that she was going to tell me some horror story and uh and she said, Brian, she said, I saw 17 deer walk by me. I said, 17 deer? Really? I said, well, they had to come up that trail, right? She said, yeah. I said, which way was the wind blowing? She said, well, it was blowing right down that way. Well, I had made my wife, before she went to the stand, go through this phase system. And at that point, I was a believer because I understood what those deer were doing. I knew the exact direction of the wind. And for her to see those 17 deer amazed me. 
So, like these guys said, like you guys said, it, it is a system. And one of the cool things that we're doing this year is coming out with a, a series, which you can also find on YouTube and the app, um, a scent control system series. So we'll kind of walk you through the things that we do, um, hopefully the things that, that you can do. And, and I promise you, I, I think you will see results because this stuff works. Yeah, and it's important to you know follow all the steps. That's why we need a long you know video catalog of all these tips and tactics of scent control because – you know, you could take product X, whatever that product is, and, and use it on, you know, as a detergent and say, well, this product didn't work. Well, that's maybe because you didn't shower before you wash your clothes or something. So you got to, you know, you use the products on all the steps. We're going to show basically break down each system step by step. And uh, that's really how the success comes comes together. So when you use the whole system, not just a part of the, of the base system, so... Yeah, there, there's a lot more aspects to scent control. Um, just, and we're only focused on the human body odor right now. But scent control can be a whole lot of things. And I didn't bring it up. JJ was right. And Chris actually could attest to this probably better than everybody as far as the dander part and how dander um, can affect the hunts. Um, because he has allergies. If he gets in a room with a cat or a horse, I mean, it's brutal. And it's immediate. So maybe there's some things that uh, you can tell us about the dander piece and what you've noticed as far as if you hunt stands more often than not. or Yeah, I've kind of noticed it, uh, the, how well it worked. Pretty much the first year we started implementing it, like I, like I said, I don't get out as often as uh, my brother gets to get out. JJ's always... Uh, he gets his videos caught up during the summer, and then I'm busy swamp when the season's good. So I, I try to plan everything so I can take my one, two weeks. Like, I always try to take that last week of October, that last weekend, first week in November, every single year is kind of, that's just my weekend. I try to guarantee I'm going to get out on the stand. And, you know, before we just bought this new property, I mean, <laughs> I only had one place to hunt. It's about a 40-acre hay field, and there's about <laughs> one fence line with trees on it that I can hunt. And then, <laughs> The other tree line butts up to the neighbor's blinds and stands. So I always hunt, you know, usually the the oak ridge on the opposite side of them. But so I'm, you know, even though I'm hunting about three or four stands on this one ridge, they're all pretty much along the same deer trail and the same ridge line. So, I mean, I was, you know, it was my first year kind of self-filming because J.J. was uh, busy over in Wisconsin. And, I mean, you know, every day lugging a pack in and out, going to the same stands over and over again and, that whole week, I, besides one morning when I was climbing in, and as I was climbing up the stand, I got busted moving up in the standby doe across the street on a different ridge. I didn't get winded once. So, I mean, that's a pretty good testament hunting. A pretty, pretty much the same area day in, day out for a whole week straight and not getting busted once, you know, just from my scent. Yeah, and to that point, the fact that you were seeing deer every day, and th this is what stuck in my head, um, you know, if you're leaving dander and it's microscopic, you don't even see it. You know, like I said, he walks into a room, boom, allergies. If you have allergies, you know what we're talking about. You're leaving those um, human skin cells in and to your scent. Now, especially if you're using products that make your skin dry and itchy and flaky, which is a very high percentage of them. Um, so you're leaving that dander in and out. You don't realize it, but you are. And so if you hunt a stand for two, three days in a row, you burn that stand out. Well, everybody kind of has experienced that. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're targeting. We're targeting that dander. So now those physical things that a deer can identify of the human body, you're not leaving that anymore. And then you're not itching your skin. You know, it actually heals your skin. The active ingredient is is used in, in healing skin as well. But that's a big deal, especially if you're in a situation like Chris described, where you have to, a limited places where you can hunt. You know, you may only have one or two or three stands. You're hitting it hard those two weeks. You're going to burn them stands out, you know, but he didn't, you know. So there you go. There's, a, there's another testament. Yeah, and I actually, I mean, it is salon grade and it's such a high quality product. I mean, as soon as once the season kicks in, even if I know I'm not going to be going out for like three weeks, just because I know I'm that busy at work, 
I'm still, I just like, once season starts, I'm using phase every single day because I can. I'm not going to dry out my skin like all the other stuff in the past has, you know. Mm-hmm. You get the cracked knuckles after a few weeks of going out and you're in the dry, cold air. So, I mean, it's something you can use daily and not even notice a difference from the salon-grade products you're buying at, you know, your convenience store. Yeah, I want to, uh, before we wrap up here, kind of circle back and ask how does somebody, you know, with all the different avenues the Deer Society has, um, you know, one of the cool things that you guys do is the, is the viewer submissions, um, kind of putting those hunts together. If, how does somebody become a part of the Deer Society? <clears throat> well, yeah, if somebody's out there filming right now and they capture something cool on, on video, um, feel free to send it in. We would love to possibly produce it if it makes sense. Um, working with Brian Clary, one that built the, the wall here behind us. He does a lot of the viewer submission type videos for us right now. Um, it just depends. There's just such a wide variety of things that people are doing from, you know, self-filming. Maybe they're just using a Tacticam. Uh, maybe they can get involved with uh, the Whitetail Championship or something like that too. So just kind of a wide variety of things. And, uh, you know, just send us a message, send us an email, Facebook message, Instagram message, whatever it may be, and we can kind of direct you to where, where they can be involved at, at some point some way shape or form yeah absolutely i think that that's a that's a big part of it and and the way i see it is everybody really is part of the deer society the deer society isn't you mike it's not you jj it's not you chris you know the deer society is a group of people it's a group of hunters that all have the same passion right and we're all we're all doing it because we love to do it. That's really what it's all about. And that's what the Deer Society is about. So we want to, you know, these guys, I, we all want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback with these different things. We want to see your experiences and we want to share as much as we can too, to help you and, and bring you not only entertainment, but education. So I think that's, that's kind of the, a good way to end here. Go ahead. JJ. Yeah. And, and as, as we release more videos like the white tails from scratch and these podcasts, just feel free to comment right below so we can see what you're thinking and we can tailor these videos more towards their interests and things like that too. So comment right below the video and send messages. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Make sure to interact with us on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram at the deer society. And if, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you, you subscribe and definitely go out and download the the Deer Society app because that's going to be where all of our new content is hosted. So that's going to be a great tool, not only uh, to see some of the, the cool videos that we're doing, but to, to get education on the scent control series and calling tips and different things that, that you can use to hopefully, again, put the odds in your favor this fall. For next episode and future podcasts, we're going to be doing a question and answer segment. So make sure to go on below this video or send us a message on Facebook and Instagram. We want to hear some of your questions and then answer them with the guys we have on the podcast that week. So drop us a message on Facebook or Instagram or comment on the video below. Well, thanks, guys. Make sure uh, for you guys listening, make sure to go download the app, uh, Dear Society app. It's free. Free. Absolutely. There's lots of great content on there. Also, subscribe on YouTube. Look for all the new stuff that we have coming out here in 2019. Uh, Like we said, just released the Whitetails from Scratch episode. Uh, So check that out. Exciting stuff coming in two weeks. We have Andy Orr uh, that's going to be on the podcast. So he's full of great information and things you can start doing now to improve your your chances this fall. So uh, make sure you check back two weeks, new podcast with Andy Orr. And uh, thanks for listening.